0: This week's podcast brought to you by Corneal Abrasions.
1: While you were away this weekend at the Final Four, I took our son to see Creed 3. We've watched all the Rocky movies and now all of the Creed movies. And on our way out, he still had our giant bucket of popcorn empty and he wanted to refill the giant bucket on the way out. So he took a giant p- bucket of popcorn with refill, free refills to the parking lot. But the reason I mention that is because before he refilled the popcorn, he had to use the bathroom. And I saw him from the visible he g- part. He of,
0: gave you the bucket. He did not bring into the, the bathroom. Gave me the bucket.
1: I wouldn't allow that. But he uh, he was walking into the bathroom. Three or four, maybe uh, fifth graders were walking out of the bathroom. And one of them said to him, how tall are you? And he said, 6'4". And then... I just saw him reach up and press both of his palms to the ceiling of the men's room at the movie theater. And when I when he came out, I said, "What was that all about?" And he said, "Oh, they uh, double dog dared me to touch the ceiling, so he did." And then we we drove home, and he ate popcorn from the bucket uh, whose hands had just touched the uh, the bathroom ceiling.
2: Has no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrived intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. I'm back for a brief stay
0: from the women's final four not really a brief stay i'm here for a week and then i head to the wnba draft for a day um, but it's been quite the uh, aftermath of the women's national championship game
1: it has it has it's uh, it was it was also quite the during math they're true we
0: we had a really well-viewed highly rated women's final four record-setting especially our championship game which averaged 10 million viewers which is unheard of especially for a game that started in the afternoon it wasn't even in a prime time evening slot Um, and we had a great great game between Iowa and LSU we had great semifinal games LSU came back from I think they were down nine to start the fourth quarter to beat Virginia Tech Uh, Iowa had the huge upset over South Carolina um and then the championship game um you know had some uh, really was really well played basketball game and um and then the aftermath of angel reese you know kind of celebrating and and pointing at her uh had her ring finger um has kind of taken off of a life, taking on a life of its own on social media.
1: Particularly um, among people who don't actually watch the game or any other people. game during the year.
0: You know, that's that's the beauty of it is uh, they had no idea what she was doing when she was like waving her hand in front of her face towards Caitlin Clark. Had, people had no idea that Caitlin Clark had done something similar in the regional final. Um, there's actually a story behind the ring finger thing too. In, in the regionals, I think it was pregame of the regional final, for LSU, their assistant coach, Bob Starkey, I think drew with pen um, rings on the on the on the player's ring finger saying or saying or just drew like a line um, and said, you know, when things get hard during the game, just look down. This is what you're playing for. This is what you're playing for. Um, and so after that game, you know, the women were, were went to the bench and like were if it, if it had sweated off or whatever, were drawing the, the ring on their finger. So there's a backstory to that as well that most people don't know because they're not following women's basketball. But uh, but all I care about – well, not all I care about, but anytime we have a lot of people watch, I just want the product to be good because um, you know, all right, this is our national championship game. This is the WNBA finals, whatever. A lot of people are watching. I just hope – these women perform um, the way they have all season and they certainly did the the basketball was terrific and
1: well even more than they performed all season didn't LSU shoot a oh yeah percentage that was off the yes, charge off
0: the charge LSU shot 54 percent for the game Iowa shot 50 and that they Iowa led the nation in field goal percentage that wasn't atypical for them but LSU came out they, they make on average LSU five threes per game they made nine in the first half shooting seventy something percent they they shot out of their minds and um anyway it was both teams shot over fifty percent it was a really it was really good basketball and um so yes yeah, there there are people who have kinda come out of the woodwork to comment on other things um some 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 will lead to to productive conversations many won't um because that's what social media is but it was certainly a really fun final four to cover and um just amazing games how was dallas dallas was nice dallas actually first couple days we were there was cold and rainy i didn't expect that but um we're all we're in the arena almost the entire day so i almost feel um less less bad about not being outside when it is cold and rainy the last two days were nice were sunny and uh and and warm um but the first couple days were cold and rainy we don't get outside much we're in the gym or we're in a meeting somewhere pretty well, much the entire time we're in dallas i wasn't necessarily anyway.
1: asking what the weather was like five yeah. days ago in dallas i just meant was it a good host city it was, was an it amazing a lot of host
0: city it was great part partly just because there were so many people there i mean there were so and and not just like people who got tickets to go to the final four they were rabid fans lsu fans iowa fans Virginia Tech and South Carolina and then after Virginia Tech and South Carolina lost and some of their fan base went home it was replaced by more LSU fans and more Iowa fans it was um it was really really cool it was it was incredible how the outpouring of support both of those teams had um, and the the energy in the building I was actually talking to a friend of mine who was at the women's final four and then she went to the championship game um, in Houston drove the three hours the and men's went to the championship. Men's, mm-hmm. men's championship game and that was the thing she said was so different. She said in the at the women's final four all of the fans there were rooting for a team. And,
1: and they're being played in a basketball arena yes. as opposed to a football stadium. Exactly.
0: And she said at the men's, like, there was a section of UConn fans behind their bench. And then there was a section of San Diego State fans behind their bench. And then the rest of the people there, which was tens of thousands, I guess. Well, there were
1: some seats from which um, you could barely see yes. what, what the sport was. But,
0: but w- yeah. And she said in those, you just basically watched on the massive jumbotron yeah. that was in the middle of the uh, uh, stadium. But... um she was just saying how different it was like everybody at at, every fan at the women's game was there invested in one of the teams and a small portion at the men's cared about who won like everybody else was just sort of there for the party shockingly there is a direct flight from hartford to dallas it's like a four-hour flight it was a super early morning flight i'm on the flight and um I don't know we're on for maybe a half hour and and I'm on the aisle and the flight attendant the the gentleman next to me was asleep and she woke him up to ask him if he wanted breakfast and uh, his response was I really don't want to be woken up and she said I'm I'm so sorry or whatever and you could tell she was slightly annoyed by that he was more than slightly annoyed by being awakened Um, and he wasn't able to fall back to sleep, and uh, she would come by a little later in the flight, ask me if I wanted anything, and completely like ignore him. Understandably, he made it clear that he did not want uh, to have any to be w- w- awakened anyway. I like um, that
1: he gets neither sleep nor breakfast.
0: Right, but I give him credit because I don't know maybe half hour after the exchange happened, he hasn't been able to go back to sleep. She has not looked at him. One time she was walking by and he got her attention and he just said, He said, I am so sorry that I spoke to you that way. He said, I woke up rude. <laughs> but he was, he was super apologetic as he, he should have been. He cause said, he, he,
1: I woke up on the wrong side of the aisle. Yes.
0: He said, He said, I, I guess I woke up rude. I'm so sorry. It's not your fault. And she just said, She said, You know, I just didn't know, blah, blah. They had a productive conversation. But, um, so that was the right thing to do, although I can understand his pain because he was sound asleep and in w- and the next three and a half hours wasn't able to go, um, wasn't able to go back to sleep. So you were, were, actually, th- you know these are,
1: these are not first world problems. These are first class problems. Right.
0: Exactly. Actually, I'm wrong. It wasn't Hartford to Dallas. It was a previous flight because we haven't done this pod in a couple of weeks when it was Detroit to Seattle. Um, I was connecting in. In Detroit, Detroit to Seattle, and I only the only thing that makes that a little more interesting is this guy works in Detroit, and lives in Seattle. So he's tired all the time. So he flies Sunday night to Detroit, works there Monday through Thursday, Friday morning flies And Detroit to Seattle's a good three and a half, maybe four hour flight, flies um, home. So. He should know by now to tell the flight attendant, I suppose, when he gets on the plane, like, I, don't wake me up for breakfast. I'm he just going to want to sleep.
1: He should have an adhesive, just athletic tape and magic marker onto it. You know, do not disturb. Do not he wake. He should just have a hat. Do not resuscitate.
0: Yeah, do not wake me.
1: Yeah. Um. That'd be good. Look, a, a, a baseball cap with do not wake me on the yes, crown.
0: With like a, a, a thing that goes down in front of his face, some sort of a um, face cape. Um, so anyway that happened which was interesting and then I was watching that, that
1: would be the p- ultimate by the way first class passenger thing instead of drawing that little drape of humiliation to separate coach right. passengers from first class this guy has his own personal drape that he he draws around the bill of his baseball cap how great so would not that to be be
0: like a shower curtain on the front of his baseball cap
1: it's like it's like <laughs> the the vip section within the vip section at a nightclub
0: right right exactly um Well, then the the other thing that uh, that I found interesting and this does not have to do with flying at all, but I was watching the men's tournament and uh, and this was I was watching the men play the Yukon men and this was not in the final four. This is one of the earlier rounds and somebody referred, maybe it was the player, maybe it's Jordan Hawkins, the good shooter for Yukon referred to somebody as um, an air fryer because they got hot so quickly. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh! In our era, of course, microwave. Vinnie, Johnson, Vinnie the, the Microwave Johnson. It was the microwave. If someone came in off the bench and got hot fast, they were the microwave. I'm gonna, and it was the first time I've heard this. I don't know if you had heard this before. No. To refer to someone as, you know, they're our air fryer. I was like,
1: oh my gosh! But is and I, I honestly don't know. Is an air fryer a more modern appliance than a microwave? Have air fryers? I th- yeah, been I th- around I, forever? Or are they? Are I don't know. They've
0: on? become much more popular recently. We don't have one and people keep telling me we sh- we should um th- I, so yeah I think everybody has a microwave I don't know that everyone has an air fryer two things
1: yet. is the Providence uh, basketball charter called the air fryer <laughs> and and what's the second thing? well Jordan Hawkins he would be Jay Hawk I maybe he is but at Kansas right if he played for Kansas oh
0: right rock chalk Jayhawk there you go ah
1: if we can get back just for a moment to the do not disturb guy on the airplane yes, who woke up, that's, rude. That's way more interesting. Well, no, no. It's just a, a good segue to. You had a similar, similarly fraught experience yesterday, did you not, with at Dunkin' Donuts? And oh can you yes, that? that
0: was right. That this, so that I, I thought. this uh, you you, was interesting. you
1: you handled beautifully, I'm told, but I don't, <laughs> I I don't know. You it. told me.
0: I handled it just fine. So. I go to pick up our daughter who came home from college for for the weekend. I pick her up at the New Haven train station. When I get her, she tells me the story about how she had meant to eat before her class because she she took a, she had a class before she got on the train. Couldn't whatever she was hungry doesn't matter. I was when like, right, I well. when
1: I dropped her at the train the last time she was home, she was she was drinking something in the car and asked if we could stop at Dunkin' on the way to the train station. There is a Dunkin' in the train station in New Haven, right. but she said it's a really long line. And it would save her from waiting in a long line. So we did stop, and then mm-hmm. she, she she segued from the one not-empty drink to the new Dunkin' drink. And I believe she left half of that Dunkin' drink in the car, but anyway, well, go on.
0: She was more interested in food. She, she just said, I'm hungry. Can we stop somewhere on the way home and i just told her the logistics of it i said we don't have time to stop and sit down and eat somewhere but we can go through a drive-through we have time for that so we, we settled on a duncan drive-through that's actually only about 20 minutes from our house so pulling in the duncan drive-through i get myself um like an egg sandwich she gets uh i think like a an egg sandwich bagel and then i also got in touch with two of our kids I knew you were at piano lesson, so I didn't bother you. Our son wanted something, and I got something for our daughter. So I'm purchasing food for four people. It's not over the top in any way. Our daughter also did get a beverage.
1: Four uh, four people is over the. T- I mean, having four kids is over the top of this. My but anyway. right,
0: but well, I'm I'm purchasing food for f- like sandwiches for four people. Pull up. Takes a minute for the girl to bring over our daughter's drink give her my credit card I pay.
1: The young woman, I assume. Young woman, yeah, sorry.
0: And um, and then she said, you know, can you pull around front? We'll bring the food out to you. Sure, no problem. So pull around front. We're waiting. We see a different young woman come out carrying, you know, two bags. We see her go over to a different car, and then eventually she comes over to ours. And um, so I put the window down, and she hands me the food and says, um, what did I tell you she said? She said...
1: Don't you feed your family? Yeah, don't
0: you feed your family? Like, and I just looked at her. I couldn't because she. No, was not
1: not. Don't you feed your family? Don't you make? Don't you make dinner? Or don't yeah, you make yeah, breakfast? Don't your
0: you family? don't you make food for your yes, family? Don't you Something make food like for that,
1: your because clearly and, you are feeding your family right, with these sacks right. of food.
0: She wasn't saying it like laughing and joking and, and in a bubbly way. Like, don't you make food? for your family. She, she was, was saying, saying because she was irritated. She totally. was irritated well, uh, that she had un- to un- carry.
1: Understandably, two she's not. She's not getting. Out paid a commission for, you know, the more food they make, the more sh- the more money she makes.
0: And I just, I couldn't believe it. Like, I just looked at her and I didn't, uh, wasn't going to say anything in response because I thought it was an extraordinarily rude thing for her to say, don't you? Yeah, that's right, because it was a cute tutorial. Don't you make food for your family or something? It was two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm getting food and I just look at her. It's just
1: like that, that she's, she, she's accusing people who are patronizing Dunkin' Donuts of, you know, why aren't you? Why aren't yeah, you
0: home mm, making yes. egg sandwiches? And and, uh, and I just looked at her and I just took the food and um just kind of like stunned. The the words kind of punched me in the jaw. <laughs> stunned by what she said. And I'm just I put the food in the car and I start putting the the, w- the window back up. And she started saying something else and 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 I just kept you putting the away.
1: window up. You uh, <laughs> squealed your tires in the parking lot.
0: I couldn't. I looked at I looked at our daughter and I said. I can't believe she just said that. Like, I can't believe we were laughing about it, but laughing because it was funny, but also laughing in disbelief that I can't believe that woman (laughs) just said that. So we'll see if she's working there the next time uh, we go through that drive through. And uh, then I can say I have been making food for my family, but they also wanted some Dunkin'.
1: Well, shall we get to viewer mail?
0: Let's get to viewer mail. Take
1: that throw our lure, reel us in with your pure mail. Our first viewer mail comes from George in Columbus.
0: Hey, George.
1: George writes, Rebecca and Steve, last week you asked about ocular complications related to false eyelash wear.
0: Ah, uh, yes, we did.
1: Well, who better to answer that question? No one. A brief review of the literature revealed problems mainly limited to eyelid and ocular surface inflammation. I found no report of eyelid droop, pitosis. Related to wearing heavy false eyelashes, P-T-O-S-I-S, eyelid droop.
0: Ptosis?
1: P-T-O-S-I-S. I don't know if it's if the P is silent. Spell it again? P-T-O-S-I-S. It, oh, it could it, be ptosis. It's, it's neither here nor there. Got it. The mm-hmm. most memorable eyelash-related complication I've seen occurred many years ago when a young girl, about five or six years old, glued her left eye shut while trying to apply false eyelashes with super glue. Oh. She, oh. she required a trip to the hospital in general anesthesia to get her eye open happily there was no significant significant injury to her eye oh poor girl yeah. oof oof yeah that's awful as the bnci consultant i have two other suggestions regarding eye makeup one people sometimes use a straight pin whew, sometimes use a, a straight pin to separate lashes after pl- applying mascara they do i have seen a few corneal abrasions from this practice so don't do that
0: oh no no No, I would never put a pin near my eye.
1: Ah, Corneal abrasions. Mm. Mm, Corneal corneal abrasions. abrasions. Mm. Two, don't wear eye makeup the day of eye surgery. We must remove it anyway, which is annoying and time-consuming. The worst offenders are the patients who wear glitter mascara to their LASIK procedure.
0: (laughs) You shouldn't ever intentionally put glitter on your
1: eyes. I mean, not unless you want both ptosis and... Corneal abrasions. Yes. The glitter does the the glitter goes everywhere in the in the tear film is almost impossible to eliminate, which means that it can get permanently trapped within the cornea under the LASIK flap that is created. Fortunately, the retained glitter is usually well tolerated by the eye, but unless you are attending a Taylor Swift concert, it is still undesirable. <laughs> glitter Trapped permanently in your cornea? I mean that's
0: Yes. Sounds awful.
1: Do you have a Do you have a, a, a twinkle in your eye? No, I actually have glitter. <laughs> no, I do have a twinkle c- concealed in my, eye. In my cornea. Goodness. Yes.
0: Actually, he brings up Taylor Swift. Um, this is kind of interesting. Uh, before I headed to Dallas for the Final Four, our oldest daughter, who's a huge Taylor Swift fan, told me Taylor Swift is in Dallas the same time as the Final Four. And she said, and you can actually get tickets relatively inexpensively on the secondary market. She's like, you can get a ticket to get into her show, Mom, for like $45. This was all her trying to convince me that she should come to Dallas. What, what, not, uh, how, much,
1: how much were tickets going for on the tertiary market?
0: I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, but this is all her way of trying to... I was like, I'm not flying you to Dallas to go to to a Taylor Swift concert anyway. The only reason this am um, bringing this up is... When we ha- were having a meeting uh, early in the week at the Final Four, they were talking about how the women's ticket was so much more expensive than the a ticket to get into the men's. Yeah. And I said, well, how about this? Women's ticket is more expensive than even Taylor Swift ticket here in Dallas. And um, I think they used – and I only knew that because our daughter had told me. And um, I think they used that as one of the things to talk about, you know, how tough of a ticket it was. It's well, the, more expensive than certainly Taylor It's really more
1: Swift. scarcity. The Taylor Swift tickets, there there are – she has – a stadium shows. They were just impossible to get when they went on sale through Ticketmaster.
0: Right, right.
1: Thank you, George. George says congratulations to your family on the recent athletic and theatrical achievements of your children. Uh, our our, our uh, seventh grader hasn't yet triumphed on the theatrical stage, but um, they're in many rehearsals for
0: How about our, her? I was talking to our oldest when we were driving back from the train station and just told her the dates of our, her, her sister's show. I said, if you're home if you think you might be home, let me know. Because if you're home, you should probably go to the show and, and I'll need to get you a ticket. And she said, what is she, a tree? And I said, well, yes. In one of the scenes, That's actually, she choice. is. Absolutely. <laughs> of course she is. She's the tallest kid in the school. Make, she 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 should be a tree.
1: And then she mentioned that one of her friends in a school play had, had portrayed, as part of an ensemble, had portrayed water. It was like wearing blue and just sort of undulating in the background of a, some kind of a seaside scene. Right, right. Tim writes, Hi, Steve and Rebecca. Thanks for another great pod and observations on life. As my family and friends followed the recent state series of Illinois basketball, my wife asked, Why is there no shot clock? The next day, as I was working on my completionist goal and listening to Ball and Chain, I heard Rebecca say, There should be a shot clock. Art imitates life or something like that. So Illinois doesn't have a shot clock also?
0: Most states do not, shockingly. it's 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 way less than 50 percent. more
1: states do not than do
0: correct way more states do not than do
1: last night writes tim i watched the end of the NCAA women's iowa louisville game it was so great to watch caitlin clark make history it was also great to hear rebecca's call on the broadcast did you find out why caitlin doesn't wear knee pads her knees are the living representation of scrappiness take care and thanks to both of you for helping to bring the women's game to the forefront P.S. Steve, the rising Indiana player I wrote about in my last email, Lene Beaumont, is from your hometown of Lyle, Illinois. Small world in need. Lene Beaumont from Lyle, Illinois. That's that's fantastic. Also um, also where uh, former Wisconsin standout Frank Kaminsky hailed from. So maybe becoming a, a cradle of basketball stars. Should be. Um Rebecca, did you find and out why no, Caitlin doesn't not. wear knee pads?
0: I did not, and um, I most, to- most
1: players don't, though, do they? In that case, I mean, most most Jen Rosati at the time was the the a knee lot pad of w- sorry,
0: I keep interrupting. You. I'm sorry about that. Um, a lot of WNBA players wear them, um, a lot, and especially they're so much nicer now. You get these big Nike yeah. ones that stretch from your mid calf to mid quad. I, I didn't ask Caitlin, even though I had ample opportunity because we met with them many times at the Final Four. I did not ask her about wearing knee pads, but I will certainly do that. Did uh, you meet with her in, year?
1: Did you meet with her in the same room that had the Nespresso machine?
0: <laughs> Actually, on Saturday, in between the semifinals and finals, we did meet with them in the same room that had the Nespresso machine.
1: Because you, did you or ESPN, somebody did an interview with her? Early in the season.
0: That's right. We did. Yeah. Yes. Um, Kelsey Riggs and I did. It was right before the holidays. And we asked, and Kelsey, it was Kelsey's question. Asked her. She asked her what she wanted for Christmas. And she said she wanted um, an espresso machine. So Nesp- I, Nespresso machine. N- however you say yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Well, there's, there's an espresso. There, there are two different things. Nespresso. I think I yeah. Know. With an N. With an N. Yeah. The, the brand. It's a brand. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and so I had the opportunity to ask her, one, if she got it for Christmas, and if she uses it, didn't ask her either of those things, and did not ask her about the pad. So I'll keep those front of mind for next time I do a Iowa game next season. I just season. hope
1: she has an opportunity to purchase an espresso machine or, or, or be gifted one. Yes. I, th- I, th- I think that could possibly be arranged. Uh, sorry, Steve writes, uh, Deb, this one is for Rebecca.
0: Ah, hello, Deb. Send more.
1: As basketball junkies who are glued to all of the games, I hope not literally because then Dr. George would (laughs) uh, have an issue, men's and women's, my daughter and I appreciate the best on-air team of you and Ryan along with Holly and Andrea. We both laughed heartily at the best comment during the Ohio State-Virginia Tech game following the observation that both coaches, McGuff and Brooks, are mellow fellows. One of them will face Kim Mulkey. You noted that Coach Mulkey is neither mellow nor a fellow. Did I you did, note that? Note I did that?
0: know that, yes.
1: <laughs> uh, laughing, crying emoji. Wishing you safe travels to and from the Final Four despite the absence of our beloved Huskies. We'll be watching you guys work in Dallas. Please keep that mic in place. We want to hear you loud and clear. So that was uh, obviously- Oh,
0: yes, because Ryan had to was fixing my mic. They showed it on camera um, because during the game- like I'll I'll move the mic that's in front of my my mouth to take a sip of water or something and at one point during the action he just like reached over and fixed my mic and so I said on air like I appreciate you know the gentleness you use and you when you adjust my mic so then they put us on camera and showed Ryan like adjusting my mic. So, so he, he
1: can hear that you're not loud enough.
0: Yes, he he has his his ears are incredibly tuned into um not only the volume but the clarity and everything of
1: he's part bat right
0: (laughs) perhaps he is what gets me though is almost all of these arenas are cold so when we're on camera I'll be wearing my dress or my jumpsuit or whatever I'm in and then as soon as we're off camera I put a sweatshirt over my shoulders to keep me warm and uh, like a zip up so I don't have to put it over my head and so sometimes when all of a sudden they'll show us on camera you see me there like in a dress and then a hoodie a zip up hoodie over my shoulders and um but that's the reality of the look so well
1: you called that you and Ryan called that game on Sunday it ended around 6 p.m. I want to say am I right what time uh, did that game end
0: it was 3:30 eastern so yeah about 6 p.m.
1: and then Monday I see him calling the Brooklyn Nets game on yes and then last night he was calling a Bulls Bucks game in Milwaukee Tuesday. in fact Monday ne- so he,
0: he came back he flew back Monday um it was it Tuesday, Tuesday they called the Nets he game he was calling a Nets game for that's YES right. network and Wednesday the next day, last night, he was calling a, a game in Milwaukee for yes. ESPN.
1: And and he clearly got a lot of sleep because on Tuesday, while I was watching the Nets game, he said to Richard Jefferson, who was doing color, something about, you know, it was just a great atmosphere there at Barclays on Friday night, on a Friday night. And, and Richard Jefferson, uh, I think, corrected him that it was actually a Tuesday night.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Holly Rowe was doing, I think on Tuesday night, a game at the Utah Utah Jazz game in Utah, and our producer texted all of us and said she was going to put in a rule next year that there has to be a three-day cooling-off period after the Final Four because Ryan was talking about, you know, the strain on his voice, and he was tired, and Holly's tired. Um, I'm prepping for the WNBA draft, but I'm not flying anywhere and, and working in that way. So um, anyway, <laughs> I know Ryan was texting me last night just about how darn tired he is and I think looking forward to getting a couple of days of rest before he hosts the WNBA draft on Monday.
1: You know uh, you should get him a hat that says do not wake and has a little curtain around the, the brim.
0: I should and he can just wear it while he's calling the game.
1: <laughs> and just just to uh, make his, his uh, Swiss Army knife broadcasting career even broader weren't you guys on a flight with his yes. Yankees partner. So,
0: yeah. So this is interesting. So we're flying back from Dallas. It's a 6 a.m. flight. So that was an early wake up call, 4, 4 a.m. on Monday. And uh, I'm flying home through LaGuardia. They've now got this really nice kind of easy, convenient flight from LaGuardia to Hartford where you're in the air. The second you like feel like you're in the air, the pilot then tells you it, they're on their descent. It's a super quick flight. Anyway, so... I'm sitting across the aisle from Ryan L. Duncan, who's a sports center host, who's an amazing um, host for us in women's college basketball. I can't say enough good things about her. Um,
1: I I met her at baggage claim. You met her at at the
0: baggage claim. Yeah, she is.
1: She she probably assumes that I meet all of your flights at baggage claim.
0: We'll let her assume that. Um, She's just a delightful person. One of those people who just brings light to a room when she walks in and just, I, I can't say enough good things about what a, what a treat it was to work with her. This is our second year in a row. Anyway, she's in the aisle behind, or the row behind Ryan. Most of us sleep the whole flight from Dallas to New York. Wake up, all of a sudden, like Ryan stands up and he starts talking to the guy who's in the seat in front of me. And it was David Cohn, who is Ryan's broadcast partner for Yes Network for Yankees games. Um, they're terrific together. And uh, it was just like such a small world. I think he had been calling a game in Dallas and then was flying um, back to call the Yankee game that night. But uh, they didn't have any idea that the other was on the flight because they both, I'm sure, sat down and went to sleep. And uh, meanwhile, they're broadcast partners for a bunch of games on the Yes Network.
1: Hi, Restiva writes, Tanya, I know it has been a while since I've written in. still an avid listener, but I haven't had anything comedic or reminiscent to share of late. I saw this and I will admit it took reading it several times and then saying it out loud for me to get the joke. Figured Steve would appreciate it and likely would get it much faster. Haven't heard the basement theater this winter. Haven't heard the basement heater heater this winter in the background. Hopefully it's warmer down there or perhaps you relocated. The basement heater does uh, kick on occasionally, but... But uh, not usually when we're doing the podcast. Yeah, but it, it is no it is no warmer down here than it has ever been. It's, it's no, still- we just uh,
0: tolerate the cold better.
1: Pia, lots of federal tax incentives, incentives. She's our resident energy efficiency yes, advisor, by yes. the way. Lots of federal tax incentives for residential efficiency upgrades. Likely your house is of the age where it's beginning to settle and appliance failures are on the rise. It's exactly that yes, age. It's 20, right. 20 years old and everything that's original to the house is failing simultaneously.
0: Which is, which is nice because it sort of um, reflects the two oldest occupants of the house. Yeah. Who every, are also- Everything failing simultaneously. Everything's although, failing Although, well.
1: although I, I think I settled before, before you did physically. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and what, what Tanya's referring to, the joke she's referring to is this. It's a text. Knock, knock. This is a text. Who's there? Hike, H-I-K-E. Hike who? Unsuspecting son- Dad waiting with bated breath sets the perfect trap. It's
0: a haiku. It's very good. Nice. I like that. It's. I'm sure it's a much easier joke to understand if you see it than if you hear it. Yeah, hear sure. it,
1: but, but um, That's, I'll have um, to send that to... Go ahead. I was going to say we'll have to send it to one of our kids and send it to all of our kids as, as a kind of uh, wonderlick test and see which one of them gets it, if any right. of them.
0: Right. It That makes me think um, when we have... names in basketball, usually last names, sometimes first names that are hard to pronounce. Um, One I'm thinking of is a a girl who plays for Ohio State, a woman who plays for Ohio State, Rebecca Mikulashikova. Um, It's one of those names where if I hear it, like our daughter's name, if I hear it before I see it, I'm golden forever. If and it's I, kind
1: of melodic and you can get into the yes. rhythm of it.
0: So like I heard, I was watching a telecast years ago, a couple of years ago, and I heard someone say Rebecca Mikulashikova, boom, it's in my brain. But if I had seen it first, I, I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have been able to do it because right. it's not necessarily spelled the way it sounds. And um, so that poem just makes me think of that. If, let me, if this is a hard name, let me hear it before I even try to, to write it down.
1: Okay. Um, Mary writes, uh, and and what took what took so long for this to come up? And maybe it's piling on at this point, but let's get to this. All right. Hi, Restiva. Props to LSU for winning it all. The refs, yeesh. Is there any post-game teaching moment for refs after a big game? Do they have a, an evaluation? Do they watch film with a referee coach or a mentor? What happens? Mary.
0: Yeesh is right. Um yeah, we there was a lot of conversation after the national championship game about the officiating. Um, it was a little bit frustrating for us because the last thing we, we want to do when we're calling a game is talk about the officiating. We don't want to talk about it. This We finally get all these eyeballs on the product and you want to just talk about that. But there were some questionable calls in that game and, um, and in particular, the assessment of... A technical foul to Caitlin Clark because unlike in professional basketball, if you get a technical, it's not a personal foul; it's a technical foul, which is separate. In college basketball, if you get a technical, it's also a personal foul. So Caitlin had three fouls. Hits a ball, hits the ball barely. They assess her a technical kind foul. Of
1: a behind the back pass, but yeah, with like too much the force. The whistle had for, yeah.
0: blown. A foul had been ga- called on her teammate Monica Sinano and the ball was in Caitlin's hands, and she kind of threw it behind her back, out of bounds, and they gave her a technical foul. Which made also then was her fourth foul. And Sanano yeah.
1: had fouled out. I don't know if it was on that. that they foul, both but...
0: got their fourth fouls on that yeah. same play.
1: But the the, the and uh... it was early
0: enough in the fourth quarter. I think it was in the fourth quarter. I don't think it was late third. Um, I think they they had cut the cut the lead to eight at that point. Um, anyway, mm. it was it was a poor decision to call a technical on her. One of the things that was frustrating about it, because we were we were waiting, like, did she say something? What happened? Producer got in our ear. She said the official at the scorer's table said um, it was for throwing the ball and for something she said. So then when we replayed it, she didn't say a word. Um,
1: you don't think she's a ventriloquist?
0: No. <laughs> I, I certainly don't think she's a ventriloquist. So she didn't say a word. And then after the game, the uh, the official release from the referees was that a delay of game had been called earlier in the game against Iowa. A delay um, of game is right? if the ball goes through the hoop yeah. and you hit it before the other team can yeah. inbound it or whatever, delay of game. If if a team's trying to inbound and you reach over the, the yeah. imaginary line, it's a delay of game. So a delay of game had already been given to the team and so it is in the rule that if a player g- gives their team a second delay yeah. of game, it is a technical foul. Um, number one, Officials can use judgment in those situations. It's not like in the WNBA, if you throw a ball or kick a ball into the stands, it's an automatic technical foul. That's not the case in women's college basketball. You can use judgment there. And number two, and the part that kind of I find interesting is during the game, you say it's because of something she said and it was a technical. And then after the game, it's now all of a sudden we're being told that it was a second delay of game. Like, which was it? Is it the one that's more convenient or is it the one that's the most true? And, and, um, and
1: that's not merely a competency issue. It's if you're saying a player said something presumably profane and disrespectful to get a technical and the player didn't actually say anything, you know, that's that's not a good situation, no. especially and when it involves
0: Of co- And so we say that on TV. Ra- Ryan says on TV she's been assessed assess the technical for hitting the ball and something she said. Well, she didn't say a word. And um and again, it's not you can walk over to a player in that moment, and I think no matter who the player was, that happens in a championship game, you walk over and you say to them, Caitlin or whoever, don't do that again, or I'm gonna have to tee you up. Do not do that again. She won't do it again. You know, like it's it wasn't it, she wasn't showing anybody up. She wasn't angrily throwing the ball. The ball was in her hands, she kinda tossed it behind her back. People um, want to
1: see the stars, especially yes, in a championship game, yes. and all that being, Let's err on the side of leaving yes, them in.
0: Let's err on the side of leaving them in. And all that being said, I don't think it impacted the outcome of the game at all. Louis oh, no, no. LSU came out and took no. that game from Iowa. They made nine threes in the first half, shooting seventy something percent. They were they scored amazing.
1: Hundred and two points they scored.
0: Hundred and two points. I don't, it did not affect the outcome of the game. People who think it did, it didn't. LSU was like, no matter who the opponent was, LSU came out and took that game, um, was ready in that moment to take that game. Um, but, you know, we would prefer after a game as good as that one for the conversation not to be focused so much um on the officiating. And, and unlike in the NBA where they have the two-minute report at the end that, where they you know kind of tell you if if there were wrong calls, they don't even do that in the WNBA, but they certainly don't have that um, in women's college basketball.
1: Spencer Dinwiddie got hit on the wrist, I think, going up for a, a, a game-tying or game-winning shot against the Timberwolves the other night. And it, there was no call. And afterwards, he wasn't happy about it. And I, I didn't see the rest of the game, but our son and I did watch the end of that game, and he said afterwards in the press conference that uh, he said somebody just asked me, I think it was anonymously about you know who your favorite officials are and least favorite and stuff. And he said I named those two guys as my favorites. He said I love those guys. I, I if I run into the airport, you know I dap them up, hug them, whatever. And and uh, he said, but tonight they blew it. Yeah. And, and it's like- it's totally it's not it's it's not a referendum on you know all officiating or. Or those officials forever. But sometimes they do have. That's, bad that's games. the
0: whole thing: is both things, both things can can be true. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I I didn't really recognize the, the officials that were calling the championship game. I, I I can't say like, oh yeah, that that woman's normally outstanding, or that one's not. I don't have that base of reference for mm-hmm. them. Obviously, they are considered really good officials if they're in the national championship game. But yeah, you can be a good person and you can be. Normally, a really good official, and not have your best day, and it's not a referendum on on them as people. That's for sure.
1: Although I imagine Spencer Tunney will be donating some of his paycheck to the NBA charity,
0: <laughs> probably. So. After those
1: comments, dear Rebecca and Steve writes Mark in Dallas. Wow, what an amazing! Uh,
0: I saw Mark. Okay. Okay, sorry.
1: No, it's. <laughs> I, he, I, he may I saw Mark that. I don't and know.
0: Abby let's let's, hear, the, okay, let's dear, hear
1: it dear Rebecca and Steve wow what an amazing uh, WBB NCAA season and tournament so many great storylines and great games Rebecca I hope your visit to Dallas was enjoyable in fact Mark the weather was rainy and she <laughs> but seems to but the visit have, itself was awesome okay.
0: I loved it. Dallas is a great great city to host the final four
1: it's hard to believe that next fall we will have a player on the court. Abby has met so many great and amazing people through this game, so Abby will be playing for the Texas Longhorns. She will Texas can next be season, next but this yeah. year in just a few months they'll you're be right. teeing it up again.
0: Yeah, you're right. Our
1: our, our first ball and chain. Uh, um,
0: yes, it's flying the nest or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I we, well uh, go ahead. I was going to say our our studio set was outside. Um, outside of the arena, and uh, I think it was before the championship game. I'm sitting up there, and all of a sudden I turn and look, and Mark and, and Abby are easy to see because they're both very tall. But it was I, it just made me happy because it was like, oh, there's two friendly faces that I haven't seen in a long time.
1: She met another one. She Amazing people through this game. She met another one on Sunday morning. She met lechina during a taping of her podcast Around the Rim on Sunday morning. Awesome. Uh, that make, This just makes me think you said they're easy to see. I heard... Uh, um, What's his name, on a podcast? Stephen Merchant from uh, the British office yeah tall guy 67 yeah and he said he was at a nightclub or a, a bar or something once and uh, some single women were came up to him and he prepared to you know uh, receive their adulation and uh, and they said to him, are you going to be here for a while? And he said yes. And they said okay, because our friends we've just agreed to meet back at you at midnight. And he said at midnight they met back at him because he was the tallest oh, thing in the like room. He was- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, and then they all went their separate ways. They, he just stayed there till midnight so they could meet back at him. He was there, you know, he like was, you he Yankee was, Stadium you yes, would meet behind the, the little yeah, you know, so.
0: Oh my gosh, that yeah. is absolutely so I hilarious. don't know if anybody's I ever ever
1: you know, probably without your knowledge, has met back at you at a at an event. Oh my gosh. Uh, from there, Mark writes, we made our way to the AAC, American Airlines Center, where we were where we ran into Rebecca. We didn't think we would have gotten her attention if it hadn't been for the All We Want is a selfie with Steve Russian sign. <laughs> if only. Rebecca, it was great to see you as always. Heroes to the upcoming WNBA season and 2023 2024 NCAA women's basketball season regards Mark and Dallas now I know Mark has has uh, has experienced the the tension and anxiety of high school basketball and uh, this coming year he'll get to experience it in college basketball
0: yeah yeah oh I, I, I've got to make sure that I get to do a, a Texas game. Um, whether they're home or on the road, I don't care. I just want to be able to see Abby.
1: Uh, oh, Pete in PacPal writes, Pete in Pacific Palisades. Pacific Palisades came up in our house yesterday because our our oldest daughter, home from college, who uh, met at the SPs last summer, the actor Miles Teller. Mm-hmm. She was very excited to see that Miles Teller had bought a house, according to something she had seen online, in Cape Cod. And when she did some further investigation, she realized that no, he had bought a Cape Cod style house in Pacific Palisades. So she was then disappointed. Yes. So anyway, this is Peter. I don't know if Peter's in a Cape Cod style house in Pacific Palisades, but that's where he is. Pete, not Peter. Caitlin Clark brought me back to basketball this spring, writes Pete, and also to the ball and chain. Best coffee. Your discussion made me think I am hardly a coffee snob, but I've had some memorable cups. To name drop, in the spirit of Commander McBrag, the great Chef Alain Ducasse, uh, Dr. Siegel will be proud, once brewed me a delicious cup before we sat down for an interview for an interview. I digress. The best cup was in college when me and my roommates suddenly discovered we enjoyed coffee in college. I wish I had discovered that in college, although I might not enjoy it as much now, Rebecca.
0: I want I'm I'm asking our ball and chain listeners, viewers, whether or not you've written in before, if you Remember your if there's a memorable cup of coffee you had either because of the way it it tasted or where you were having it or the person you were enjoying it with, let us know. I wanna I want to uh, maybe we can have a little coffee talk segment where people just tell us some of their most memorable um, per- cups of coffee, like
1: perhaps a flight attendant woke you from a coma <laughs> to offer you a cup of decaf. Maybe. Uh, anyway, Pete writes. We bought a Mister Coffee coffee maker. And bought chock full of nuts in a can at the corner store with creamers and mugs pinched from the dining hall. It was heavenly. Don't sleep on chock full of nuts. Chock full it's of nuts is that coffee. heavenly coffee. Mr. Coffee. Remember Joe DiMaggio advertising Mr. Coffee?
0: I actually don't remember that.
1: Yeah. Through the 80s, certainly in your uh Should be in your o. waking House. life, yeah. Yes. Caitlin questions. I thought the rest for Iowa LSU were horrible. Uh, I think we could probably welcome them to the club <laughs> on that. And more specifically, it looked to me like they were bullied by Kim Mulkey, literally and physically, at one point. <laughs> Kim
0: Mulkey is an imposing presence on the sideline. Uh, there, there
1: was there was some kind of uh, of uh, physical uh, struggle on the sideline at one point where she was she was about four feet onto the She's court. She's always and, on the court, yeah. And I don't I couldn't tell if she was trying to grab the ref, the ref was trying to fend her off, but there was there was uh, a linking of of arms that appeared.
0: And if anybody didn't hear um, our studio folks telling the story, excuse me, Kim Mulkey wears, if you've seen her, wears sequins, wears feathers, wears crazy, crazy outfits on the sideline. And how that came to be, I mean, she always wore, she was always flamboyant in what she wore when she was at Baylor, but when she got to LSU, she said there were some women who said, you know, we want to like provide these outfits for you. And she said, So she would wear them occasionally and people would say, we're coming to the game to see what you're wearing. And Kim said, I told them, fine, but I also want you to come and appreciate what these young women are doing. So she said, there's a large group of fans who started coming to the LSU games to see what she was wearing. She said, and now they know what a point guard is. And she takes a lot of pride in the crazy, outlandish, flamboyant uh, nature of her outfits because she's like whatever it takes to bring more eyeballs eyeballs to the sport so if you saw her in the national championship game she was wearing a purple and gold sequence sequenced outfit pants and top she was hard to miss it was it was certainly a, hard to miss i
1: mean far be it for me to comment on anybody's uh, fashion but i would say that was not an outfit you would wear to lasik eye surgery
0: <laughs> not, not one you should wear. Uh, no, a, a danger surgery. for, Maybe uh, she has, for a corneal glitter entrapment.
1: Yes. Um, now I'm just reading the question here, Rebecca. Okay, this is this is this is Pete in Pacific Palisades. Yes. Not not Steve in Connecticut. Yes. My question is that kind of outcome altering alpha coach bullying. Now I think we've already acknowledged that this probably wasn't outcome altering.
0: No, I don't
1: think it was. Uh, parentheses seems like Gino does it too unique to women's college basketball or is it universal and Calipari and other men's coaches get away with the two question mark?
0: Uh, I don't think
1: do you think Gino does uh, alpha coach bullying?
0: No, I don't. I don't I think certain certain coaches when they Get on officials because of their reputations. The coaches, the officials might listen a little more closely. Like I think Don Staley has earned that. Gino has. um, Kim Mulkey has. Because they know what they're talking about. Do I think it's game altering? No, I don't. Maybe maybe it affects the next couple of calls sometimes. Like a coach will get on an official and then you're like, ooh, they just got a couple favorable calls in a row. Game altering? No, absolutely and not. And do men's
1: coaches get away with it too?
0: Yes. I mean I mean some of them. I think the, they invented it actually. Of yeah. course. Yes.
1: Second Caitlin question, I loved watching her play. I saw Steph Curry in the quick-release logo threes, Pete Maravich in the slashing, ball-handling, and drives to the basket, and my favorite, Magic, in the way she immediately looks up and sizes up the entire court as soon as she gets a defensive rebound. My question, is that sexist to compare a female star to men? Before we get to that, I, I think, you know, he recognizes that so many people i just know from texts that i was receiving so many mm-hmm. people who didn't don't watch women's basketball at all or regularly were discovering Caitlin clark for the first time in the final 4 yeah ha, as reflected in your in your uh, viewership numbers but um but it was mostly in you know wow she can you know shoot the three those deep threes but she you know as he points out you know those outlet passes you know No wonder Zanano doesn't dribble during the season, you know, and and her her driving right and left slashing uh, is equally impressive. Yes.
0: And of course, it's not sexist to to describe her in terms of male players, because that's your your basis of comparison. Like like if if I'm going to compare Caitlin Clark to a player. And we do this a lot in the WNBA draft, I try to compare women to other women just because I think it's important um, if I can. Like to me, Caitlin Clark, Holly Holly Rowe described her as uh, if Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird had a baby. And I think that's a fair, good description of who she is a player, kind of like the swagger of Diana, the deep threes of Diana, the playmaking, especially the get ahead passes of Sue Bird. inside women's basketball if you are if if somebody described you as man she plays like a dude she plays like a guy women's basketball players take that as a compliment. Caitlin
1: Clark said that about herself. She yeah, grew up like, with two brothers yes. and
0: you you take that as a compliment because um It's meant as a compliment. You know, often this would be another situation where people would parachute. And I have people who get on me during the year. You're calling it man-to-man defense. It's woman-to-woman or player-to-player. Yeah, those are both two-syllable words, and I don't have time to say those. Everybody knows man-to-man defense to me is not a gender thing. It's a way to describe a certain type of defense. Um, And and when Neil Armstrong
1: said this one small step for man, he was referring to humankind.
0: Right, right. Right. so anyway, uh, it is not at all to me a disrespectful to compare a woman to a guy, especially if it, unless it's a guy who you don't want to be compared to.
1: <laughs> Finally, uh, Dr. Gary Siegel, DGS, with Hello, a wrap up Siegel whenever our last podcast was, sometime before, it, sometime in the last couple of weeks, right? Yes. He writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, what a pleasure to have heard you back on the airwaves after an unexpected week away due to technical difficulties. Along with the rest of the viewers, we knew that March Madness would keep Rebecca busy, and we appreciate how hard you both work to bring us an hour of lighthearted enjoyment most weeks. We bring it most weeks, or or most weeks it's lighthearted enjoyment, I'm not sure. I'm not Probably a sure little of both. It was also thrilling to watch you in the spectator parents role at your daughter's championship game. Congratulations. Thank you, Doctor Siegel. Thank you. As is my habit, and due to forces beyond my control, I find myself typing away on Monday night yet again, and as Steve has wisely advised, I'll not proofread, leaving Microsoft Word and Gmail to hopefully catch any errors. I do have a few old items to revisit, and of course, both a Formula One and baby report in the itemized list below. Imagine how many babies have been born since this report, Rebecca. Yes. I pray that you and the viewers will pardon the length of this note as it spans a two to three week gap. One, yes, our new grandson was big, having weighed eight pounds, 14 ounces at birth. His older sister, the firstborn and the younger Siegel family, weighed in, at, weighed in at birth four years ago at nine pounds, 10 ounces. As an obstetrician, I certainly can admire my daughter-in-law's birthing bone structure, but as husband and man, I certainly would never comment publicly about said bone structure, although I have heard the expression, childbearing hips, said about a woman more than once.
0: <laughs> but he would not comment on a woman's bone structure. No, no.
1: but He... It's not something he would do Two, the delivery was a planned induction on the thursday after mardi gras which was of course on a tuesday we happened to, mardi gras was on a tuesday this year rebecca yes it was that is every year marty yes Gras fat tuesday yes we happen to see just seeing if you're still paying attention i am we happen to see the involved a local obstetrician, a colleague and mentor of my son, on Mardi Gras Day. It was morning, and, well, there was drinking involved as she urged my daughter-in-law to not go into labor that day. The obstetrician, there was drinking involved on Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Don't say that. The obstetrician, along with many at her neighbor's home, were all dressed as Bob Ross. (sighs) (laughs) On the wall by the sidewalk at this house was a large Bob Ross poster saying, there are no mistakes, just happy accidents. Indeed. Well, that's pretty cool. I like it. I, I assume uh, uh the the the, uh, the daughter was named uh I'm sorry, it was a son. I assume he was Bob Ross whatever his last name, right. Bob first name Ross middle name. Right. Right? Sure. And you under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. 3. Steve, I seem to recall in the last podcast that you may have corrected Rebecca with respect to either a word that, well, wasn't a word or her grammar. There was. There was a word that wasn't yes, a word.
0: Yes. And because and and, I listened to that back and yeah. I was like, I did just say that. How do I not know that I just said that? And you had every right to uh, okay. question me on it. I don't remember at the moment what that word was.
1: But Dr. Siegel writes, oh, while few will ever achieve the combination of your mastery of the English language and excellent recall of anything that you've read or seen, As one husband to another, I say, "Tread lightly, my friend."
0: (laughs) Dr. Siegel's a wise, wise man
1: who who clearly has learned the hard way. Yes, he probably corrected Mrs. Doctor Siegel's pronunciation of of uh, of a Formula One French Formula One driver at some point, and and um, And lived to regret it. Yes. Four baby report. Four this weekend in a 12-hour period that went from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Friday. And two weekends prior to that, three babies delivered early on a Monday morning between midnight and 6 a.m. Three babies between midnight and 6 a.m. on a Monday morning.
0: Four babies in a 12-hour span.
1: Yeah. Just another manic Monday. Yeah. Blessings all, but that does leave this old doctor a bit draggy the next day. I would guess so. Mm. He has full-body pitosis. (laughs) Five, Formula One has now had its second race, which was in Saudi Arabia. There have been races since then, surely. Melbourne, Australia is next. A, Checo Perez and Max Verstappen of Red Bull Racing finished 1-2 with Max having carved through the field from P15 at the start, having had a technical issue in qualifying that relegated him to P15. Red Bull is at least a half second faster than all of its rivals, and that is a gap that will be unlikely to be surmounted by other teams during the season. Red Bull has had two 1-2 finishes this year with more to come. B, double world champion Fernando Alonso again finished in the final podium spot in the Aston Martin, although there was post-race controversy. He he highlights and actually gives a a, a British pronunciation key. Mm -hmm. As Fernando was penalized after the race for not serving a prior five-second in-race penalty during the pit stop correctly. However, the second penalty was subject to discussion and ultimately rescinded after a few hours. This was VAR at its worst. Rebecca, you know VAR as soccer's version of instant replay, video assisted referee, Mm. video assistant referee, and Formula One will likely correct this rules glitch before the next weekend. The next time you have they referees go to replay in a Mm -hmm. basketball game, please refer to it as VAR. VAR. I, I think I think some of your audience will enjoy that. Okay. C, and this is the 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 last lowercase letter. McLaren, the second oldest team in the sport with many championships over the years is simply a hot mess they have a real star driver in lando norris and a rookie aussie hot shoe named oscar piastri hot shoe all one word rebecca however the car is not good this year and the team is at the back of the field despite being the only car last year to achieve a podium other than mercedes red bull and ferrari they've also undergone some restructuring of the team which generally does not bode well for this year as always Thanks for your enjoyable podcast and looking after the viewers so well. Uh, right back at you, Doctor Siegel, with warm, warmest regards and no proofing, Gary with two R's. And guess what, Rebecca? Don't proof. There was there was no there was not a single typographical or grammatical error in Doctor Siegel's uh, email. If
0: there was, you would have pointed it out.
1: I, I I I would have delighted in pointing it out. Yes. Although I will tread lightly from now on when pointing out yours. <laughs> That's all we have.
0: That's enough. It's too much. We'll uh, we'll be back next week probably. I'll have the WNBA draft in my rearview mirror and who knows what we'll have in our front view and be ready to say hello again. Something like that. Until then. Until then. Denny, thank you. Denny Gallagher and Tom DeCari. Play us out.
2: Six of us and the family pet living in its cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test Androgynous and figuist, well we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane